Lord, everybody. Welcome to New Covenant Ministries Church Online. We're so glad that you tuned in. Um, I just want to do the offering. And just uh, first of all, I just want to say that uh, I'm so pleased to um, have you uh, join us. And um, I just say that, uh, you know, I love you. And I'm looking forward to seeing you guys back here in person, give you some hugs, love on you. But uh, right now, you know, I want you to turn to Corinthians, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, uh, or actually 2 Corinthians chapter 9, starting in verse uh, 6. He says, but this I say, he that sows sparingly shall reap sparingly, but he that sows bountifully shall reap bountifully. Every man, according to his purposes in his heart, let him give, not of grudgingly or out of necessity, for God, what? He loves a cheerful giver. Make it a, a purpose in your heart to be a cheerful giver. So when you sow your seed or when you tithe, make sure you do it with a cheerful heart. Make sure you check your heart. Check that soil that's in your heart and make sure, you know, when you sow your seed, you're going to expect a return on it. God wants you to be blessed. He said in verse 8, he says, And God is able to what? Make all grace abound toward you so that you have all sufficiency in all things that you may abound to every good work. You know, we have a work to do and God wants you blessed to be a blessing to others. So he says, as it was written, he is the spirit to the broad. He is given to the poor. His righteousness remains forever. Now he that ministers seed to the sower, both ministers bread for your food and multiplies your seed sown. Notice that he multiplies your seed sown. He does just, just doesn't, doesn't add. He multiplies. He says, and he increase, increases the fruits of your righteousness. Verse 11 he says, being enriched, you know, God is rich. God is blessed. He wants you to be a blessing, enriched in everything, spiritually, physically, financially, with all bountifulness, which causes us what? Just to give thanksgiving to God. Just be thankful today that you be able to sow a seed into the kingdom of God. It's not going to leave your life. It might leave your hand, but it's not going to leave your life. And I believe that it's going to come back to you. It's going to, God's going to increase your seed sown, that he's going to bring back a bountiful harvest. Uh, just remind you, I'll put down in my, in, my, in my Bible, it's good to write in your Bible. Uh, we had a man here speak one time, Ron Kuzmal, and he gave me a word. And uh, I think it was just the first word that uh, somebody ever spoke over me. And it was about giving. And he said, there's always some coming. There's always some going. And there's always some in you. Never, he said, stay, always stay full and never eat the seed. This is your seed. God wants you to be blessed. So let's pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, we just thank you. Father, I, first of all, I thank you for the congregation that's walking, watching online. I pray, Lord, as they sow their seed online or they give it in person, Father, I pray that you bless them exceedingly, abundantly, above all they could ask or think according to the power that works in them. Father, I thank you that you bless them today. I'm so glad that, they're, uh, I'm so glad that you're tuned in with us. So yeah, let's just get right into the word. Um, let's go to uh, John chapter four. You know, I wanna talk about uh, today, uh, first of all, that God wants to reveal himself in you. And he wants to reveal some stuff in you that, that is not of him, so that you can be more Christ-like. The Bible says in Colossians 1.27, he says, but he makes Christ in you the hope of glory. Everything that is in you should be in Christ, and you should be in him. And he just wants to reveal some things unto you. And I know that, um, 
if, if D, if D Kaiser's watching, I know if you're watching D, uh, I know you want this beard shaved off and me to have a clean haircut. And I know my wife does too. And soon, uh, soon my beard will be revealed off and I'll have a baby face again, but I look forward to coming and see you, uh, and just, just get a brand new haircut and a brand new trim just to, uh, clean myself up. But, but thank you for coming in to, uh, online today. But let's start, start with John chapter 4. Um, like I said, God wants to reveal himself in you. And he wants to reveal some stuff that's not of him so that you can, you can be all that you can be with him. John chapter 4, let's start uh, in verse, um, let's just start in verse 1. This is the, the woman at the well. He says, and when therefore the Lord knew how the Pharisees heard that Jesus made and baptized more disciples, um, though Jesus baptized not his, but his disciples, he left Judea and departed into Galilee, and he must needs to go through Samaria. But then he came to a city of Samaria, which is called Sychar, near the parcel ground that Jacob gave as well. Now Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied of his journey, sat on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. We all know, you know, the sixth hour was, was probably about the hottest uh, time of the day. Um, and uh, Jesus, it says Jesus was wearied. He was tired. I, I, did, I did the math and it would have took him when he left to get to where he was going in Samaria. It would have took him just over five hours of walking. So you can think five hours of walking. And when you reach your destination and you're sitting on a well, and it's really hot out, I can, I can imagine that, you know, you're tired, you're wearied, and, and you're, you're thirsty. It's kind of funny, a little side story. Um, you know, we pre-record these messages, but, you know, this is the next day that we're recording. And um, the day before yesterday, uh, I was supposed to speak and supposed to prepare my message. And so anyways, I went to bed that night and I set my alarm and for like 5.30 in the morning just to get up and spend time with the Lord before, you know, I just come and minister to you guys. And so, uh, so I went to bed and it's, it was just, I don't know if you've ever had one of those nights where you just can't sleep. And uh, so anyways, I just laid in bed, tossing and turning. I couldn't fall asleep. I don't know if I had, a, I don't know if it was the sugar I ate that day or the coffee, but I just, just couldn't fall asleep. I remember checking my uh my phone, and, it, and it, was, um, it was four o'clock in the morning. And I was like, Lord, I thank you for your grace. I thank you, Lord, that I can do all things through Christ. I thank you that I'll get up in the morning and I'll be prepared to, to prepare a message. And I was, I, was, I was tired. I was wearied. But I trusted him. And so anyways, I, uh, I laid in bed and I, and, I, and I set my alarm for 5.30, but then I set it for 7.30. I was like, okay, I'll get up at 7.30. I'll spend time with the Lord. And uh, that should be enough time. So anyways, I set my alarm for 7.30. And uh, my phone went off at around 5 after 7. And I knew, like my phone was on vibrate. So I knew that the first vibration was, it's usually Rob Bells. He, he texted me, bless Rob Bells. He, he usually texts me a, a devotional every day, which I enjoy, Rob. Thank you for sending that to me. I, I thank you for that. It blesses me. So anyways, that first vibration went off and I knew that was raw. But so anyways, I looked at the time and I said, man, it is, I am tired. But I thank you, Lord, that I'm going to get up and I'm going to, I'm going to prepare, you know, a 
great, great message for you. So anyways, there's a second vibration that went off. And uh, I said, okay, that's, it's usually not Rob. I said, usually Rob texted me once and that, that's it. So anyways, I looked at my phone, it was pastor. He said, yeah, we're canceling the taping today. We're doing it tomorrow. And I was like, glory to God. So anyways, I went back to sleep and uh, I was just, I was so thankful. I was like, God, thank you for your grace. But you know, through all that time, I just, I trusted him. And that's all he wants. He just wants our heart. He just wants our trust. So yeah, let's pick it up in verse um, Verse 6, now Jacob was, Jacob's well was there, and Jesus therefore, being wearied of his journey, he sat on the well, and it was about the sixth hour. And then came a woman of Samaria to give, uh, Samaria to draw, then came a woman of Samaria to draw water, and Jesus said, give me a drink. For his disciples were gone away to buy meat. And then the woman of Samaria said unto him, how is it that you being a Jew ask me for a drink? Which I am a woman of Samaria. For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. And Jesus answered and said unto her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that says to you, Give me a drink, he would have, and would have asked, of him he would have given you what? Living water. The woman said unto him, Sir, you have nothing to draw with. The well is deep. Where is this living water that you talk of? Are you greater than our father Jacob that gave us this well and drank of himself and his children and his cattle? And Jesus said unto her, Whosoever drinks of this water shall thirst again, but whosoever drinks of the water that I give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of springing up of everlasting life. And the woman said, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. And Jesus said unto her, Go call your husband and come here. And notice what happens. He said, the woman answered and said, I have no husband. Notice that, honesty. She was honest. Honest and, and humility are like the same word. When we go to God, what are we? We're just being honest with him. An honest heart is a humble heart. And the woman answered and said, I have no husband. And Jesus said unto her, you have well said, you have had no husband. For you have had five husbands, and whom you have not, the one that you have now, now, is not your husband. Uh, the woman said unto her, sir, I perceive that you're a prophet. Our fathers worshipped in this mountain. And you say in Jerusalem is a place where men ought to worship. And Jesus said unto her, woman, believe me, the hour comes when neither in this mountain or either at Jerusalem shall worship the Father. You worship what you know. Um, and we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour comes and now is when true worshipers shall worship the Father in spirit and truth. For the Father seeks such to worship him. For God is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him in what? Spirit and and truth. It's a hard issue. You know, I just want to, um, a little side note, I want you to turn to 1 Timothy. 1 Timothy. First Timothy chapter 2, um, verse 8. 
You know, I was doing a study on praise and worship on time, and uh, I just want to tie this in because I think it's, um, it's great to hear. Uh, God revealed to me this. It says, they that worship him must worship him in spirit and truth. Verse 8 says, I will therefore that men pray everywhere, lifting up holy hands without wrath or doubting. I was like, Lord, what does that mean? And he, and, he, and he showed me, he said, the Jewish people, when they were lifting up their holy hands, it, absolute, it, it, it means to be done without hatred, anger toward any person without a voluntary spirit or an unforgiving spirit, sorry, without reasoning or disputings over what is being prayed for. Let me read that to you again. To be done without hatred or anger toward any person without an unforgiving spirit, without reasonings or disputings over what was being prayed for. That's, that's powerful. So that when we come into the presence of God, when we come into church, or when you, even if you're at home and, you, and you, you're spending time with the Lord, you know, when you lift up your hands to him and you lift up your eyes to him, it's without anger. It's without an unforgiving spirit. Your heart is right before him. So I encourage you, before you lift your hands up for him, before him, check your heart. If there's anything in, in, in you that's not of him, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, it says, he says, we, we can go to him and he forgives us. He says, when we confess our sins to him, he's faithful and he's just to forgive us and cleanse us from what? All unrighteousness. Everything that's not of him, he wants to clean you up. He wants to reveal himself to you. So yeah, let's go back to uh, John chapter four. So yeah, God is a spirit and they that worship him must what? Worship him in spirit and truth. It's a heart issue. It says, the woman said unto him, I know the Messiah will come, which is called Christ. And when he comes, he will tell us all things. And Jesus said unto her, I that speak to you am he. Wow. The first person that God or Jesus ever revealed himself to was a woman at the well, a Samaritan woman, a woman that had no covenant with God. What did Jesus do? I can see right here. He said, Jesus said unto her, I that speak unto you am he. Jesus opened his heart to her. And he said, hey, I'm, I'm the one you're looking for. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Jesus revealed himself to that woman. Jesus is going to reveal himself to you more and more as you seek him. The Bible says in Matthew 6, 33, but seek first what? The kingdom of God. It means God's way of doing things. And he said, all these things shall be added unto you. He said, and upon this, his disciples came and were marveled that uh, he talked with his woman, but yet no man said, why do you talk to her? And the woman left her water pot and went her way into the city and uh, says to the men, come and see a man which told me all things that I did. Is this not the Christ? And they went out of the city and they came to him. And in the meanwhile, the disciples prayed and asked him, master, eat. But he said to him, I have meat to eat that you knew not of. It says, therefore, his disciples one to another, hath any man brought him to eat? And Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to what? Finish his work. Notice we have a job to do. 
Say you not that there are yet four months and then comes the harvest. And behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look on the fields for they are what? White and all ready to harvest. For the past, I'd say a couple of weeks, I've been, I've been out on my deck and I've been looking at my garden and my eyes have been looking at my garden and I've been in the soil and I've been removing things that are not supposed to be there, like rocks and twigs and stuff like that. You know, after the rain comes down, I'll go out to the garden and I'll remove stuff that's not supposed to be there because I'm preparing the soil and I'll toil the, toil the soil up and I'll make sure that everything that I can in my possibility remove everything that's going to choke the seed or hinder uh, a bountiful harvest. So I'm in there. I'm in the garden. And we all know that the garden or the soil is uh, is our heart. So I'm always checking, you know, not only my, my natural garden, getting the things out of it that I need to get out of it, but I'm also checking my heart. I'm looking in my heart saying, Lord, is there anything in me that's not of you? And I just want you to remove it. And I, God, if, if there's any pride in me, f- Father, forgive me and show me that so I can remove those things, so I can be closer to you, so I can seek you. You know, um, verse 35, he said, Say ye not, there are yet four months, and then comes the harvest. He said, Behold, I say unto you, lift up your eyes and look upon the fields, for they are all ready to ripe. So this would have, would have happened like in the spring. It would have happened right about now. Um, in our, in our part of the country, it's, it's spring, it's April. So in the third week of May, usually the third week of May, the first week of June, I start sowing seed. I start putting my, my seed in the ground, usually after the last frost, the first moon, you know, because frost will kill your, kill your, um, your crop or it'll kill your seed. So anyways, uh, it's usually about this time, but he said, he said the, the harvest is already ripe. It would have took four months for it to harvest. But you know what happened? It took only two days. That would be a miracle in itself. If I, if I planted my seed one day and then two days later, a full harvest, that would, that would be an absolute miracle. But Jesus said, lift up your eyes and look under the fields for they're already white and ready to harvest. You know, pastor has been talking to, uh, about Abraham and uh, the father of our faith. And I'm so encouraged. Every time I hear of Abraham, uh, you know, it builds me up. It builds my faith. And I, and I love hearing about uh, faith because the Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by what? The word of God, Romans 10, 17. Uh, turn to Genesis chapter 22. I just want to skip over there for a minute. Uh, I don't want to give too much attention, but there's something I want to reveal to you there. Genesis chapter 22. I just want to read a few few scriptures there. I want to just, uh, actually, let's, uh, you know, just start in verse one. He says, And it came to pass over these things that God did tempt Abraham. And he said unto Abraham, uh, Behold, here am I. And he said, Now take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him for a burnt offering uh, upon one of the mountains, which I will tell of you. And Abraham rose up early in the morning, saddled his ass, and took two young men with him, and Isaac his son. And they clave wood, excuse me, clave the wood and burnt offering, and they rose up, and they went to the place where God told them. He says, then on the third day, Abraham, what? He lifted up his eyes and saw the place far off. And Abraham said to the young man, 
abide here with the ass and we were going to go, me and the lad, we're going to go yonder to worship and then we'll come again. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and laid upon his son Isaac and he took the fire in his hand and the knife and they went up to the, to the mountain together and Isaac spoke to Abraham and said, Father, and Abraham said, here am I and my son. And he said, behold, I see the fire and the wood, but where is the lamp for the burnt offering? He said, Abraham said, my son, God will provide himself a lamb for the burnt offering. So they both went together and they came to a place where God told them and Abraham built an altar there and they laid the, the wood in the order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him upon the altar of the wood, with wood. And Abraham stretched forth his hand and with the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called out to him and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, what? Here am I. Obedience. And he said, lay not your hand upon thy son. Or upon thy lad. He says, For I know that you fear God, seeing you have withheld your only son, thy son from me. He says, What? In verse 13, he said, Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, what? A ram caught in a thicket. And by his horns, uh, Abraham went and took the ram and he offered up uh, for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abraham called that what? Je that place Jehovah Jireh. And it means God our provider. God is your provider. And all he wanted right here was uh, Abraham's obedience. There's obedience when we lift up our eyes. We're getting our, we're getting our eyes off of ourselves. There's no pride there. Humility always, he, it always looks up, right? He just wants us to trust him. What did he say in Deuteronomy chapter 28, verse 1? He said, if you be willing and obedient, you shall what? Eat the good of the land. I used to say, I'll eat the good of the land. I'll ride the good of the land. I'll drive the good of the land. You know, the Bible says you can have what you say. Speak positive things over your life. Speak a blessing over your life. Speak a blessing over your, 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 your mate, your wife, your husband, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, whoever you're with. Speak a blessing over them. John chapter 4. Let's go back to John chapter 4. Verse 36. And it says, He that reaps, receives wages, gathereth fruit unto eternal life. Both he that sows and he that reaps rejoice together. That excites me. There's no pride in that. There's unity. It sounds like Ephesians chapter 4. which says we're, we're, when we all come into the unity of faith and to the knowledge of him that called us. God's calling us to unity in the body of Christ. He says, one that sows and one that reaps will rejoice together. You know, when it comes to uh, my garden again, when I, go to, when I go to sell my home, it's like I have, I have a beautiful garden in my backyard. I invested in this. So anyways, it's, it, means, it means something to me. But when I go to sell my home, you know, more than likely we're gonna go sell our home in the spring. But I'm gonna make sure that when I go to sell my home, I'm going to sow seed in my garden first, right? So look at this. So in verse 37, and here is the saying true, one sows and other reaps. For I sent you to reap wherein you bestowed no labor. And other men labored and entered, and entered in into their labors. So when I go to sow that seed, and when I go to sell the house, the next person that moves in there, they're not going to labor. They're not going to have to sow the seed. What, what's going to happen? They're going to rejoice with me, the sower, 
when they harvest from that garden. And it's going to be blessed because I took care of that soil. I took, I took care of that um, soil by getting everything out of it that's not uh, what I want in it, that's going to produce a bountiful harvest, that they're going to rejoice having a harvest, having some good vegetables, some fresh vegetables, and I'm going to rejoice too because I sowed, right? So that both the sower and the reaper shall rejoice together. What about when it comes to the kingdom of God? What about when it comes to when people come into the kingdom of God? When, when, um, when the last time harvest comes in and people are going to come and get saved and you're going to see healing, signs and wonders and miracles. You know, people are going to need your grace. They're going to need your faith. Because reason being why they need your grace and, grace and faith is because they might not have grace. They might not have faith at that moment in their time in their life. And you're going to be the one that's going to be teaching them. You're going to be the one that's sowing the word and to them. They're going to be blessed by that. But I, I want you to turn to um, Ephesians. This is good. Hallelujah. Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 2. So yeah, when people come in, they're going to need your grace. They're going to need your faith. You know, James, are you a grace guy or a faith guy? Well, I can, I can, I can tell you that I'm, I'm both. I'm all about grace and I'm all about faith. You can't have one without the other. Ephesians 2 verse 8 and 9 says, For by what grace you're saved by faith. Not of works, lest any man should boast. It says, For by grace you are saved through faith, not of yourself, for it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There's no pride in that. It's all about humility. Father, I need your grace. Even when I stood up here to preach to you or to minister to you, I needed grace. I needed faith. I need to release my faith that you're going to be blessed by the word that God's speaking to you. That anything that's not uh, of him that's in you, God wants to remove those things. You know, he wants to show you those things so that you can, the Bible says, the goodness of God leads a man to repent. And all repentance is, is that you just, you just, you turn around. You go the opposite direction. That's the goodness of God. He wants to reveal that to you. You might say, you know, hey, it's too late for me. Well, you know what? It's not too late. If you have a chance or if you have a moment to repent, it's never too late. And in repentance, all it means is just, just turn around. God wants to show his goodness to you. So, yeah, you need faith and you need grace. They go hand in hand. James, uh, James chapter 4. James chapter 4. It's good to hear those pages rustling. <laughs> Verse 6. He says, but, God, but he give us what more grace. Wherefore, he says, God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. It's kind of it's neat. I was looking up that scripture. And you know that word give? It's mentioned 365 times in the Bible. God wants to give you everything you need in him, in Christ, 
365 days a year. He wants to bless you every single day. But he says, with what? More grace. And all grace is, is his strength, his ability, his provision. God wants you to bless you with more grace. See, the grace of God is, is always available. Like I said, 365 times a day, 365 times a, a, a year, God is willing to give his grace. It's always available to you, but not everyone has it. The Bible says, look at this. He says, what? He gives us more grace. Wherefore, what? He resists the proud. When we're walking in pride, there's no grace there because we're walking in self. God wants you to remove anything that's not of him out of your life. And if there's any pride, just, just repent. Just go to him. Say, Father, I, I lift up my hands and I ask you to forgive me. If there's any pride in me, Father, forgive me in the name of Jesus. He says, but wherefore he gives more grace, wherefore God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Verse seven, submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil and he will flee. He said, draw near to God and he will draw near to you. Clean your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. But be afflicted and mourn and weep, for your laughter shall be turned into mourning and your joy into heaviness. He said, humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and what? He shall lift you up. If there's anything that's not of him, humble yourself before him. Verse 11 and verse 12, it just says, you know, don't speak evil of your brother. Don't, don't judge your brother. You know, you might have stuff going on or somebody might have stuff going on in their lives. You don't know what they're going through. Don't judge them. Don't put them down. You know, be an encouragement to them. Verse 13, and don't say, you know, tomorrow we'll go into this city or that city for a year and we'll buy and sell grain. Don't you know that even tomorrow, even if you're, uh, your life is just like a vapor, for in a little time it will vanish away. For you ought to say, if the Lord will, we shall live and do this and do that. But now rejoice, but now you rejoice in your boastings, and all such rejoicing is therefore evil. Verse 17, therefore to him that knows to do good and does it not, to him is sin. See, people need you. See, I need you. I need the Lord. I need you to help me. I, I need to help you. I need to encourage you. We need to encourage one another. Be a blessing to each other. I'm looking forward to seeing you guys all again, coming into the church and, you know, blessing you and just loving on you and just hugging on you. I just, I'm looking forward to those things. Pride will always assume, but humility will always ask. Just like the woman at the well. Sir, Give me this water, right? The Bible says, ask and you shall receive. Seek and you shall find. Knock and the door shall be open unto you. I just want to touch on a few things. Uh, you know what pride is. I don't want to um, concentrate too much on it, but I just want you to see what it is. And if there's any of that in you, God wants to remove those things to you. So I want to just want to touch on, the, on, on that and uh, turn to 1 John. First John chapter two, 
starting in, in uh, verse 15. It says, love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. And we all know that, you know, the world, is, it's not talking about the earth, but it's talking uh, the world, what it means here is, is the, the world's way of doing things, shall I say. So it's love not the world, neither things are in the world. If any man loves the world, what? The love of the Father is not in him. Verse 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, what? The lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Those three big things, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those, those three things are not in God. So if you're walking in pride, if you're walking in the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, the Bible says the, Father, there's, 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 the love of God is not in you. And God wants you to know the love of God. So when you talk to people, when you minister to people, uh, just about your day, you, know, you might not even say nothing about the Lord, but the Bible says, let your light shine before men so they might see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Colossians. I just want to talk about the, uh, the root of pride and the fruit of pride. And also the fruit of humility as well. Just something I've been, that God's been showing me the past little while. Because I don't know about you, but I, I want to be used by God. I want him to have first place in my life. I want him to be everything in me. So that when I go out to, you know, my workplace or just to the grocery store, you know, seeing those people that are behind there, those, those workers that are behind the, the plexiglass right now, you know, they're out in the front lines. I want them to see, you know, first of all, I want them to see the smile that's on my face, that I want to be a, a joy to them. I want to be a blessing to them. I don't want to be cranky. So don't be cranky to your, to your, uh, your, fellow, your, your fellow man, that's what shall I say. Um, Colossians. I uh, just want to talk about the fruit of pride. What is it? Colossians chapter 3, verse 7. It says, In which you also walked some time and lived in them. But he says, What? But now you put off anger, excuse me, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy communication out of your mouth. And he said, What? Lie not to one another. See, if you put off the old man and his deeds, but what? You've put on the new man, which is renewed in the knowledge of him. What's pastor been saying? Pastor has always been saying, get your face into the word. Get your face into the word. Put your eyes towards him. Look your eyes towards heaven. Get your face in the word. Study the word to show yourself approved unto him. A workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. Get your face in the word all the time. Not on Facebook, not on the internet, but get your face in the word. So yeah, we see the fruit of pride. And the root of it is what? The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But look, verse 12, the fruit of humility. What is it? He says, put therefore on the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness. There's that word, humility. Long-suffering. He said, forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against you, even as Christ forgave you, you do also. That's the mark of maturity. 
That's the mark of a, a mature Christian is it's saying, Lord, I forgive them. What did Jesus do when he hung on the cross? Father, forgive them for they don't know what they do. That's a, tr a true mark of humility. It says, above all these things, he said, put on charity or love, which is the bond of perfectness. He just said, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which you also call to one body, and be ye thankful. Be thankful. When you wake up in the morning saying, thank you, Lord, I have another day. I have another day to share the love of God with somebody. Hallelujah. He says, and let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching yourselves, admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. I don't know about you, but I sometimes, you know, being home with my wife, you know, she'll be, she'll just be singing and it blesses me, you know, because she's singing with what? Grace in her heart, to, not to me, but to, to the Lord. God is pleased with that when you sing gr with grace in your hearts to him. That's, that's a, a sign of humility saying, Lord, I, I just praise you. I lift you up. The Bible says he inhabits the what? Praises of his people. Verse 17, he says, And whatsoever you do in word or in deed, do all in the name of the Lord, giving thanks to the Father by him. Humility always starts and ends and finishes with, with a person being thankful. It's always looking to him. You'll never get to where you're going by always looking down. The Bible says, look up for your what? Your redemption draweth nigh. But not only does God want to do a miracle in your life, not only does he want to heal you, he wants to resurrect you. He wants to lift you up. And the only way he'll lift you up is when you humble yourself before him. And when he lifts you up, he said he'll draw all men unto him. When what? We lift his name up. Turn to... Uh, Ephesians, I'm kind of trying to land this plane here. Ephesians, this is uh, so important uh, in the time that we're living in, in the last days. Ephesians chapter 4, um, verse 11. He said, He gave some to be apostles and prophets, some evangelists, pastors, and teachers. For what? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of him and for the Son of Man, unto a perfect man, unto the measure and the stature of the fullness of Christ. I am so thankful that I go to a great church, one that when I come and, and, and worship, the, the music is just, it's anointed that when these worshipers are up here and they lift up their hands, I know that there's, there's no unforgiving spirit in them. There's no anger. There's no, there's no sign of pride in that. There's no sign of pride in them. And I can worship with them. And I'm so, I'm so thankful that I have a pastor that is, that is a blessing to just not only me, but blessing to the body of Christ. He's a blessing to you as well. I know that. You know, and I'm so glad to be under a, a, a man of God that, that can teach me, that can show me the love of Christ, that can show me how to walk in faith, that show me how to walk in grace. You know, 
even when I started coming to the church and I didn't have enough grace and enough faith, he showed me, saying, hey, James, you're going to grow. So what? Till we all come in the unity of faith and the knowledge of the Son of God and to a perfect man, perfect man just maturing, unto the measure and the stature of fullness of Christ, that henceforth we not be not uh, like children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine, sleight of men, by cunning craftiness, and whereby they lay and wait to deceive. That kind of sounds to me like, um, don't believe everything you, you hear on the internet. Get into the Word of God yourself. Seek the Lord for yourself. Don't base your relationship with God on somebody else's relationship. It's your responsibility. God's given you responsibility to have a relationship with Him and fellowship with Him. You know, don't, don't like I said, don't believe everything you, see, you hear and you see on the internet. Get into the Word yourself. Seek the Lord for yourself. Verse 15, but he says, speaking the truth in love that you may grow up in him in all things, which is the head of Christ, even Christ, from the whole body is fitly joined together and compacted to which every joint supplies according to the, the effectual working and measure of every part that makes increase of the body and edifying itself in love. If you're walking in love, you're walking in humility. I don't know about you, but uh, first of all, I want to grow up in him. I want to mature in him. Secondly, I want to be fitly joined. I want to be in unity with the body of Christ. I want to be in unity with other people. So what? That harvest will come and I'll be able to be a blessing to someone. I think that's the greatest joy. The greatest joy for me is when I, when I tell somebody about the love of God and I see them get it. Or I, when I lead someone to the Lord and I see them living for Him. That's, that's, that's the ultimate joy for me. Or teaching you. You know what I mean? Hey, that God loves you. He has a purpose and plan for your life. Thirdly, to increase, God always wants you to be a blessing. He always wants you to increase in everything that you do. Keep on using your faith. Keep on building your faith. Keep on studying the word. Keep on having your face in the word all the time. And, and lastly, love. God loves you. He has a plan and purpose for your life. And that plan and purpose of the third John 2 says, Beloved, I wish above all things that you prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers. So whatever you're going through today, if you're going through anything, I encourage you to, to reach out to the, to the church at NCM, connect at ncm.com, uh, I think it is. It should say on the bottom of the screen there. Uh, if you need prayer requests for anything, that we're here for you. We just want to be a blessing to you. We want to speak the word over you. So until next time, I just want to say that I love you and that you're a blessing to me, and I pray that I'm a blessing to you. And I pray that you would, you would see Christ in you, the hope of glory. And if there's anything in you that's not a him, go to him and repent and rely on his goodness to fill you. Until next time, bless you. I love you. See you soon. We hope this message has encouraged you in your relationship with the Lord. For more information and ministry resources, we invite you to visit our website at www.newcovenantchurch.ca. We look forward to you joining us next time as we continue to live victoriously.